0: Hello, and welcome to 4Q. Happy holidays and everything that that entails. I'm Adriel Joy, your always host, and my sidekick that is running around here is Denver Grace, my sweet puppy. So the holidays, right? The thing about the holidays is that they are really not at all holly and jolly for everyone. Amongst my own group of friends, like we are all not feeling it this year even a little bit. Okay, wait, let me cover something first. So this has been like a really shitty past few months. I went through a very difficult breakup, which has still been extremely painful and I'm still in shock about it. Kinda hit me out of nowhere. Um, It's so crazy how much we can hurt when someone makes a decision that we don't agree with. And I've realized how much I was placing on my Perceived self value on what this guy decided because it affected my life and how he went about it and how he treated me made me feel kind of worthless and like I wasn't of value. And so I started to believe that, and that is never a good thing for any of us to believe about ourselves. Like somehow his choice meant that I wasn't worthwhile, which clearly this is wrong. But man, do we let breakups affect us in astonishingly awful ways. And then work has been like the worst I've ever experienced in a long time through my decades of work. We had a new boss come in who undervalued us, worked us around the clock, degraded us, and then left us out of nowhere. And it's put our entire company and everyone who works for us on edge, totally stressed out and beyond fatigued. We have been working anywhere between 50 and 80 hours each week since July. To say that we're tired and we're worn down is the biggest understatement. But somehow we also have this tight group of friends and maybe it's like the misery loves company thing, but we have all bonded together and gotten really strong. It's funny how like when you guys go through hard times together, it can actually make everything easier. And it's one of the reasons I really feel like we, have, we are supposed to have people like, We can't do things on our own. I'm the worst at it. I'll say I'm fine when I'm not. I'll tell people everything's okay. I internalize pretty much everything, but ultimately we really need each other to get through life. That's why it's important to have friends. And it's not important to have like a ton of friends. It's important to have quality friends. And just because someone says that they care about you doesn't mean that's true actions will always speak louder than words so you have to believe the people who actually show up and treat you well. So anyways, hence my absence over the past few months. I really like I just didn't have it in me which sucks ass because I love writing and I love cooking and I've really barely been doing any of those things but I just didn't have the energy. It was difficult to get up every morning and I was stressed out every single day and it was all that I could do just to be there for my sweet dog, which I'm sure and I know that she felt the absence more than I care to admit because it means that I'm a bad mom. So then the holidays happen. So I'm alone now. Um, (laughs) I was supposed to be going up to visit his family for Christmas because he invited me to do that. We met the same time last year during the holidays, so it was all kind of a reminder. He started seeing someone else who, we won't get into that, but anyways, um, clearly I don't matter to him, and that was something I started really feeling as the holidays came along. And I'm stressed out because of work, exhausted, depressed. And we have events coming up that we're producing, and all this stuff. So it's like we, we don't even get a break. I haven't had a vacation in so long. But then everything got worse the closer, like this supposedly hope filled time drew nearer. Because it almost like emphasizes all of those things that you're feeling your stress, your depression, your feeling alone, feeling less than worthy. It, it just kind of pushes on that a little bit more. So the past few years for me personally have been very difficult um, closes to the years. Um, I, I guess like every year at the end of the year it kind of gets, each year it gets kind of a crap deal because we're always tired and worn out and at that point we only really see the bad things that happen that year. But the truth is like each year is always filled with super good and very bad things. It's just the way life works. It's the end of the year where our vision tends to get really skewed and only the bad stuff shines through. So two years ago, my city of Houston suffered through Hurricane Harvey. We're still rebuilding from that, but it was a really tough start to the fall. And then out of nowhere, my, um, my family, we lost we really lost three members, and I personally lost two grandparents back to back. First, I held my grandma's hand as she faded away and I was able to say goodbye to her, which is a huge blessing because not everyone gets to do stuff like that, so I'm very fortunate. And a week later, so this is all in Colorado too, so I was up visiting her, said goodbye to her, came back when my plane landed, I found out that she passed away while I was on the plane. So I kind of did some stuff at home or whatever, and then headed back up to Colorado. And we were packing up my grandma's nursing home when my mom called. So my grandma was on my dad's side. and My mom called and let me know that my grandpa was dying. I was able and also very fortunate to go and see him and spend time with him before he passed away. Went to my grandma's funeral, went home. And as my flight landed, I went over to some friend's house and was just like, you know, sad because I love my grandma, and got a call from my mom that my grandma passed. So two Thursdays back to back, um, I lost grandparents. So I packed back up, went back out to Colorado, um, flew in, went to the funeral. And on my way from the funeral to the airport, I actually got into a horrible car accident. It told the car. This lady just kind of stopped out of nowhere. There was blood everywhere. All the, all the airbags went off. It took me months to recover from it I had a really bad concussion and with all the emotional strain and everything like that that because like I said I'm I'm always fine and I internalize stuff and I I really didn't allow myself the opportunity to grieve or to like really feel it um dove in like helped produce the funerals like helped do certain things like just That was how I dealt with it, but I wasn't really dealing with it, so my body was physically telling me that I needed to deal with it, and I started having seizures and blackouts because (laughs) my body was like, you need to chill, you need to handle this, and your body will eventually start doing that. I had to go to neurologists and all this stuff and found out why it was all happening. So then last year, it was the anniversary, the one-year anniversary of losing them. And then, um, right after that, I met the man that I thought I was going to marry, and my life changed entirely. And then this year, I went into the holidays with a completely shattered heart, and I felt extremely hopeless and very, very sad. I wasn't even sad, I was depressed, it wasn't even just sadness. I went from sadness to a complete depression, let's be honest. Um, We also had to put my mom in a nursing home this fall, and that's been super tough on everybody. My little brother is missing, which is a whole other story. But it's—I mean—it hasn't been like the easiest last few months. It's been one of the toughest winters that I've experienced in so long that I actually can't remember feeling this broken before. But that's why we have friends, right? Um, I've even been through a divorce, and this still feels worse than all of that. Losing someone you love and your entire being is beyond difficult. Um, I've pulled away from almost everyone. And I'm kind of trying to whip myself back into shape and kind of, you know, focus on myself. Like self-care started, I signed up for a marathon and started my training and stuff like that. So really trying to put myself first and push all the boys to the side because all of a sudden there's all these boys that are interested in me and like showing up at my job and texting me and calling me babe already. And it's just weird and I'm not ready for it is what I've learned. So today, instead of talking to you about a murder or true crime, I have decided that I want to talk to you about something that over 10 million Americans suffer through every year, which is Seasonal Affective Disorder. It has the proper acronym S.A.D. because that's exactly what it is. So not only do the holidays bring like stress over money and presents and being around family and all the drama that that brings, it also carries with it like a heavy sadness. So seasonal affective disorder can occur for some people in the spring and summer months, but it is far more common in like the fall and winter, which is weird. I can't imagine having to deal with it because one of the main things with sad that it comes with is because like the weather changes and like it's not as bright out and it's not as sunny, it's overcast, it's kind of glum, you know, it's been like the snow and the rain and a lot of that stuff happens. So a lot, of, one of the treatments for it is actually light therapy to try and like help boost your mood. So I can't imagine dealing with it in the spring and the summer when that's out there and it's easy to be able to go outside but being feeling so broken that you just can't do it, that would be awful. So what does sad look like? It looks like feelings of depression most of the day, every single day. It looks like hibernation and withdrawing from social events. It looks like feeling tired and having trouble sleeping. No matter how tired you are, it's one of those ironic things, right? Like you're so exhausted, but you just can't sleep. I think with my, my own personal issues, like once I lay down, my, my brain starts going, I'm thinking about a million things, and a lot of it's usually negative when I'm in these places, so it's like it's like a cycle that's very difficult to break, which is annoying. It looks like being annoyed and being very easily agitated. It looks like body appearance changes and adjustments in eating habits, so in the, um, the summer sad it tends to be like not eating very much and like losing weight and in the winter it tends to be like gaining weight more because people tend to like eat like more i would say carby foods like ones that are like more like heartwarming like that kind of stuff to me i am the complete opposite i've never really been an emotional eater i am an emotional non-eater so like after my breakup i don't think i ate much for like a solid month so i dropped weight pretty quickly <laughs> um but so it just kind of like people will start to look a little bit different, like whether they are an emotional eater or not an emotional eater, you'll start to see like habits change. It also looks like feelings of guilt, hopelessness, and thoughts of self-harm. So why does this affect some people and not others? Traumas that occur during those months, like like I was saying with like my family dying and stuff like that, can all trigger seasonal affective disorder. The yearly reminders like set people into a cycle of despair and family history of having someone with depression in the family can lead to the child having sad, if not full-blown depression. And seasonal affective disorder can actually trigger people into full depressive states for good. The reduction of sunlight, like I said, can also enable it and affect people, which is why the light therapy works as a treatment, along with that therapy, and there's um, prescriptions to help cope with seasonal affective disorder. Oh, and super fun fact, women are four times more likely to deal with seasonal affective disorder than men because we're super lucky. (laughs) Awesome being a woman. It is though. It really is awesome being a woman. And it also tends to hit folks between ages 20 and 30 more often. Now I'm not in those ages, but it still affects me. So what I did this past week that helped me get through this depression was bake an ass ton of cookies. Now, I normally make Christmas cookies for every person in my office, but it just wasn't filling up to it this year. Instead, I spent an entire weekend baking, decorating, and creating delicious cookies basically just for my marketing team at the office and to a few friends and my people here at my apartment complex. So last year, okay, so um, my favorite cookie that I made that I handed out to everyone was what I called a Wookiee cookie. I took a basic gingerbread recipe, cut them out, stretched them so the body was longer like Chewbacca. Then I used melted chocolate to make his sash across the body and little white chocolate chips attached to it that so looked like the little, um, the middle th- clasps on his sash. They were so good and tasty. And this year, thanks to uh, The Mandalorian, Baby Yoda is all the rage. So I decided to give that a try. Uh, did I mention that I am obsessed with Star Wars? I took my basic sugar cookie recipe and added dark chocolate cocoa because I prefer dark chocolate to everything. I don't really like chocolate a whole lot. And I made it, um, I added that uh, cocoa powder, it made it slightly chocolatey. It wasn't like too much, but it gave it this like light brown color. So this recipe is basically like 1 cup sugar, 1 cup uh, unsalted butter, a large egg, 2 ounces of cream cheese. I use the cream cheese because it kind of like fluffs the, the cookies out more half a teaspoon of vanilla, three cups flour, half a teaspoon of salt, and then I added in a couple teaspoons of the cocoa powder. So after I let the dough chill for a little while, which you don't have to do that, but I had made the dough in advance, so it was just chilling in my freezer and I let it sit out for a little bit, I rolled the dough out with a rolling pin. Now, I think I've mentioned this before, but I'm going to mention it again. Don't get a pretty metal rolling pin like I did just because I liked the way it looked and matched the aesthetic of my kitchen. They really don't work near as well as the wooden ones. anyways, so next, after I rolled out the dough, I grabbed an angel cookie cutter. That's right, you're gonna need an angel for Baby Yoda. There's sets on Amazon that you can buy that are really, really cheap. You can just buy singular ones at, um, at random places too. But I got like a whole set of cool cookie cutters for like, I think 12 bucks. After you cut them out, you squash the little head down some so it's not as tall and round it out so it looks like a tiny little head like Yoda's, right? And then the wings are going to become Yoda's ears. So stretch them out a little bit to make them like real long like baby Yoda's. And then you're gonna bake these bad boys, or bad Yoda's rather, on 350 for eight to 10 minutes or until they're like slightly brown. Don't let them like overcook because then they might get too hard. Take them out. And let them cool down for a little while. And while they're cooling down, you're gonna wanna melt some chocolate chips and grab a pastry brush. So I actually use a paintbrush because they're a lot cheaper. Anything pastry related, for some reason, they can add like 10 extra dollars to it. But a paintbrush does the same thing and it's a lot cheaper. You will also either need to buy or make green icing as well, because Yoda is green, so you need green icing. And once the cookies are no longer hot, use the brush to paint green over the ears, the head, and like the little neck area, stopping right before the, quote, angel dress part flares out because that is going to be Yoda's robe. Then paint the chocolate in two strokes, making it look like his robe is wrapped around him, like the chocolate. I went from left to right and then right to left and made it kind of like a V shape. He looked really cute, but kind of incomplete, so I used the end of the paintbrush, which is rounded, and dipped it in the chocolate that I had melted and gave him two large eyes on his face. And then BOOM! You have baby Yoda cookies. And now you can go eat them. (laughs) Or give them away. Whatever. So back to the doom and gloom. So for many years, there's been this rumor that suicides spike during the holidays, but it's actually not true. It does make sense that people would assume that due to the depression and sadness, the suicide rates would actually spike, but that's not logical to how suicide actually really works. Did I mention I have a degree in psychology? Oh, well, I do. So looking into the stats, the suicide rates are actually consistently lowest in December. Alcohol and drug-related deaths are highest in December and January, though, which could be a correlation between substance abuse and seasonal affective disorder, or people just going to parties or not wanting to deal with their families. I don't know, JK, well, kind of. You know, it's probably true. Suicide rates do have a spike after the following holidays, though. Not before them or during them, but after the holiday. New Year's Day, Labor Day, and Fourth of July. And April is the biggest spike in suicides, and I think that I've figured out why. So here's the thing about suicide. It usually does not happen when people are deep in the thralls of depression. For those who are lucky enough to have never experienced depression, let me tell you a few things about how truly so much it sucks. Sadness and depression are not the same things, not even close to the same things. You are sad about losing a loved one. You are sad about being fired from a job. You are sad about being broken up with. Depression is a suffocating and overwhelming pressure that physically pushes you down, makes it hard to breathe, makes sleep impossible no matter how many hours you spend laying in your bed. Seriously guys, it is physically painful. It's like you can feel the sadness surrounding you and pushing you down. And FYI, telling someone who is depressed to just be happier is super stupid and you need to stop saying stuff like that. It's like when you tell a woman to calm down and it only pisses us off more. Don't tell sad people to smile. Don't tell them things are actually really great. You clearly don't understand what they're going through and cannot relate to them and your words are (laughs) are super making it worse and making you look like a jackass. So stop saying stuff like that to people. Sadness can spiral into depression though but that does not make them the same thing. Think about going to the top of a mountain in Colorado. The air is thin, it's hard to breathe, and it's probably cold, depending on the time of year. But usually on the top of the mountains it's cold because, well, it's high up there. That is depression. It's cold, it's painful. It cannot be pinpointed to one thing, and when you are in the thick of it, you simply cannot see a way out. It feels hopeless and like it will never end. When you are in the middle of a depressive episode, whether it's from seasonal affective disorder or any other type of depression, you lose your motivation. You lose your willpower and your desire to do pretty much anything. It is very rare, very rare, that people kill themselves during these times. It's when they are on the mend and on the rise that they are in the most danger. All of the hopelessness is still there, though their wording and demeanor might appear to be healthier to you. Mentally, when we're depressed, we'll still think bad things and feel bad stuff. When depressed people start to get active again and seem to be doing better, that is when they find the willpower to actually commit suicide. It's a danger zone that is far worse than the lowest point of their depression. It's during this time when they can justify killing themselves. Many times looking at how awful their behavior has been during the down times, how they neglected their lives and their loved ones. And it's a strong reason for them to feel like there's no point to going on. They don't want to go through that again. They don't want to put anyone else through this again. And they know, now listen, they don't think this, but they truly believe and know at this point that they are a burden to everyone that knows them. They can justify this when they are on the rise. This is another time to point out that saying things like, you know you matter is not true when people are in a depression. You may know that and feel like saying that will show them that it's true, but it won't. It makes them feel worse because they do not believe that it's true and then they have guilt that they have fooled you into believing that they are worth loving or caring for, I'm serious. It might sound crazy to people who've never been here, but it's one of the hardest things that you could say to someone. So why the April spike in suicides and the low rates of suicide in December? Because people who are dealing with seasonal affective disorder, or any depression for that matter, are not in good enough spirits around the holidays to commit suicide. In April, these same people are starting to come out of their depressive state and they are finding the energy to kill themselves. So no, seasonal affective disorder does not cause suicide during the holiday season. But that is not to say that seasonal affective disorder does not cause the rise in suicides that come later in the next year. We should probably do more studies on this clearly, and this is just one lady, myself's opinion, but I do think it is a pretty good one. It's super important that if you or someone you know are becoming withdrawn, aren't motivated like you used to be, are struggling with sleep and appetite, are having thoughts of hurting yourself or are turning to substances to help you cope, please seek out help. Seasonal affective disorder is a form of depression, so do not be afraid to ask for help. We tend to think that we are bothersome to people and we internalize these things. That is only going to make it worse. Reach out talk to a loved one, or find a therapist. You can even see a therapist on an app these days if you feel uncomfortable going into an office. We cannot break the cycle and help form a true relationship with mental illness if we do not start talking about it. It is okay to not be okay. I got my research for today's episode from the Mayo Clinic, the National Institute of Mental Health Fairwinds treatment, holiday highs and lows, and how stuff works. So as we're wrapping up this year, the end of 2019, that means that in a few days, it's gonna be a new a new month, a new year, and a new decade. So start setting your goals for next year today and do everything you can to accomplish them. Like me, I wanna do self-care, so I sign up for a marathon. And now I actually have to start training for it or I might die. Just remember to reward yourself for each step you take towards a goal. There are many milestones on the way to success, and some of them are failure. That does not mean that you are one. You are golden, so stay shining. It's nice to be back. I miss talking at y'all. I know this wasn't my usual topic, but I do feel like it was an important one that needed to be covered. I hope everyone had an incredible holiday season, and I'll talk at you again in 2020. Fork You is written and produced by me. If you want to show me some love, look on down there and give me a little five-star action. You can also head over to my Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, and you can become a donator. Want to stay up to date with me? Follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Fork You the Pod. Stay fabulous, go out this weekend, and get forked up.